everyone, and welcome to IIM's podcast. We have Lee Harris here. He's our managing member. My name is Lydia Kincaid, and I'm our managing director. Today, we're going to talk about the current market climate and what we're seeing as investors, and also kind of speaking to our fellow investors today um, about what we're excited about in this market climate, actually, um, and what sort of things we're already starting to see in terms of term sheets, valuations, opportunities to invest. Um, so Lee, how about you set the stage? We're at the beginning of July, 2020, halfway through the year, and a lot's been going on in this market. Maybe you can give us a lay of the land and we'll jump into what we're seeing. The economy, of course, is the central question right now in terms of uh, how it's impacting the venture capital world. Uh, are we in a recession? We don't know yet. We haven't seen the Q2 uh, GDP numbers. Uh, Q1 was a negative GDP. The technical definition of recession is two successive quarters of negative GDP growth. Um, there's debate about uh, whether Q2 was as bad as uh, we expect, but we'll find out here shortly uh, if, in fact, we're in a recession. Uh, why are we in this situation? Uh, well, the federal government pumped trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy since 2020. Uh, and economists generally know that uh, when you flood the market with, uh, with money that you print, uh, it's going to cause uh, inflation. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening. We've seen uh, large spikes in, in inflation, uh, commodity pricing. Uh, some of that is beginning to moderate, but uh, we've, we have a, a, an asset bubble uh, in many respects that has occurred because of uh, all of this uh, excess money that's in the system. Um, we've seen asset bubbles in public securities, uh, the stock market, of course, and it's been uh, correcting significantly since uh, the end of last year. Uh, we are uh, we've seen cryptocurrency just fall off the cliff. Uh, that's been uh, extremely uh, interesting to watch. Uh, I recall Bitcoin in November of 2021 was somewhere in the $69,000 range. And in June, it hit a low watermark of $17,000. So it's a, a drop of more than 75%. Uh, so you know, will there be a, an asset bubble in the housing market? Uh, probably to some extent there may be, though uh, demographics and demand are so off the charts for, for housing right now that we may not see the same uh, kind of asset bubble there. Uh, the venture space certainly has, uh, has seen less capital uh, flowing in in recent months. Uh, particularly in the growth stage companies. Uh, there's still, I believe, uh, fairly good momentum in some of the later stage funding. Uh, but I think the early stage companies, uh, seed stage to series A, even series B, probably are seeing less uh, capital uh, available for that investment at this point. Uh, and so you know, we're, we're kind of, maybe at a point of correction here uh, in the venture, venture space. Uh, if, if, if not, we may be uh, over the next couple of quarters. 
Yeah, Lee, I think we're really getting there in terms of the correction territory. Um, last year, 2021, saw record numbers of funding basically quarter over quarter. Um, because of what you're saying, there was so much capital flowing and people looking to place that capital um, in investments um, in different asset classes. And so we were seeing almost easy money in the venture space, founders and companies getting oversubscribed regularly, basically um, getting the terms that they demanded without much middle room and without much negotiating room for investors because somebody else would likely be willing to write a check. Um, so what we've started to see as you know, Nicholas, our venture associate, he and I look at companies every single day in the space and we focus on the seed to series A stage. Primarily, we see companies on either end of that too, but really looking for those companies for our investor group. Um, and we are starting to see a lot more willingness, I would say, um, to negotiate with terms, um, particularly with valuation. I think that um, founders and companies are realizing that they need to be more appealing to investors because there's been some belt tightening going on in the investor community, um, being even more disciplined about the companies that we invest in and being a lot more um, thoughtful and particular about the types of terms that we will or will not accept. Um, and there is still, in my opinion, so much deal flow. So we are still seeing so many companies that are growing and raising capital and launching. Um, but there, there is starting to be this, this correction. And I think more of a middle ground, like we would never want to take advantage of a founder or a company. We still want to have that middle ground, like I've been saying, um, but maybe there's a few more investor protections, more reasonable valuations that we are able to um, solidify on behalf of our investors, a little bit more negotiating power these days. Well, and I think this is a healthy situation that is transpiring here. Uh, a lot of pre-revenue companies saw uh, their valuations or, or were putting forth valuations that were frankly, getting into the ridiculous territory, 12 million, 16 million for pre-revenue companies. And when we talked to founders and said, okay, explain how you got to that valuation. I don't think there's a single one that gave us a, a rational explanation. And I've always said too many founders listened to what they were being told, you know, about valuations at accelerator programs that they had attended. Uh, and, you know, these accelerators did, did the industry no favors and did certainly did the, the founders no favors. And why is that? Well, when you get the valuation too high too early, uh, it becomes really hard down the line to raise more capital at, uh, at the right valuation. So if, 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 if we had done a deal on a pre-revenue pre company, a seed stage company at say a $16 million value, when, it, when it's time for Series A, what are they going to, what kind of value are professional investors going to accept of them? Is it going to be 25 or 30 million? And then Series B, then what is it? Somewhere in the, in the ecosystem, professional investors are going to say, uh-uh, we're not going to make an investment at that kind of value. And it's going to be a down round and it's going to be a bummer for for everybody involved. Everyone, right. Absolutely. So I think we're we're back to, uh, or if not completely back to, we will be back to the days when $4 million to $6 million valuations are the, are the norm for early stage pre-revenue companies. Uh, yeah, if you have a, uh, have a company that 
that has annual recurring revenue, ARR, uh, and it's increasing, say, month over month, 30% or 60%. I mean, we, we've seen companies that are really quickly growing uh, on, on a month over month basis. Well, maybe you can begin to, to look at some valuations that are running 10 to 12 times ARR. There used to be companies that were being valued at a hundred X multiples on that ARR. And I think those days are, are gone, fortunately, because it made no sense whatsoever. Right. I mean, it only makes it harder to continue to build on that valuation and it'll be even more difficult for the investors to receive the kind of return that they were hoping for and planning for when they made that investment initially. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think a, a correction is certainly in order for valuations. Um, something else that we've really been looking closely at is amount of runway that these companies are able to secure with their funding rounds. And I think this is good news for investors as well. Um, if a company is able to raise more capital in order to give them more time until the next round, that lowers the likelihood that they'll be coming back to us in six months for a bridge round. Um, so we are really encouraging every company that we consider, every company in our portfolio to think about ways um, to extend their runway, raise enough money to do it, and also watch their expenses and really think carefully about how they're spending their money. Um, not that they shouldn't have been doing that before, but I think, again, kind of this attitude of easy money and being able to access capital easily is, is changing in, in a lot of ways. Um, nearly all of our portfolio companies um, are really, really thoughtful about that. Um, and I, I would say, um, several that are currently raising bridge rounds are trying to really extend their runway, um, 18 to 24 months. I know, Lee, we, we really look for 24 months um, in terms of the amount of time between when a company closes a round of financing and then the next time they'll need to raise investor capital. Um, and we think that'll really help our companies weather this storm and not be in a, in a place of desperation coming back to investors too soon. What do you want to add about that, yeah. Lee? Yeah, the the uh, there's a for for companies that have revenue, <clears throat> particularly annual recurring revenue. Uh, I think there's a, a metric that should be uh, uh, front and center here, and that's the burn multiple. Uh, and what what that is, it's you divide the company's net burn rate uh, by the net new ARR, and so you get a multiple, and a multiple of one or less is incredible. I mean, that's really, you're really uh, managing your cash correctly. Stay below, we're looking look at companies that they're staying below 1.5 on that, uh, that multiple in the current environment. Uh, you know, that's a must. Uh, you start getting over a 1.5 multiple and that's really problematic. Uh, and, and we have actually seen some companies recently that, that we uh, have kind of scratched our head about a little bit saying, well, we're going to continue to grow the team. Uh, we're we're going to make more investment here. Uh, and we said, well, what about uh, your burn rate and your burn multiple? And uh, they, they believe that they are, are an exceptional company, that they are uh, outside the norm and that they will prevail in the marketplace no matter what. And yet 
we weren't convinced that that, that would be the case. And uh, uh, we didn't see salary deferrals or, uh, you know, any kind of grants or any, any of the, there's so many tools that are available out there to extend the runway. And, and we just knew that these companies that were not, uh, had, had not awakened to the need for frugality uh, we're going to be in the constant fundraising mode. And at some point, I mean, there was a company recently, I remember they had three months of, of runway. That is so dangerous because it's probably likely that company is not going to find the funding in this environment in time to stay alive and they will have to shut their doors. So, you know, 82% of small businesses fail because of cash flow problems. And so as, as investors, we're just not interested in taking a, a chance on a company that has not been willing uh, to take the steps necessary to extend that runway 18 to 24 months. It's just not, not going to happen for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, another thing that we're seeing, Lee, is uh, we're starting to see more realistic financial projections, and we're really working with our founders um, to try to arrive at those. Um, I think the days of just showing a hockey stick growth without any assumptions described, I think those are over, at least for now. Um, And I I think this more of a sense of reality is sinking in. Um, What we really like to see are different scenarios, almost like sensitivity testing um, with the pro formas that we're analyzing. So best case scenario, maybe it is that hockey stick growth. um, If all things go well, Um, But we also like to see something that's more middle ground, like, okay, say, um, say we have some bumps in the road, our expenses maybe have to go up a little bit, revenue doesn't take off quite as expected. What does that look like? And what does that look like over the next three to five years so that we can plan accordingly? And then what about that third scenario where things really aren't working right? Well, what are you going to do as the founder to correct those? How does that look? Um, what sort of things are you going to tweak about your business? Are there other opportunities for you to pivot into? Um, so we're, we're really paying close attention to financial projections. And I think, um, I think all investors are even more these days, rather than just making a bet on a company and hoping that they survive and thrive. Um, we're really trying to support our founders um, as they think through the short and long-term business plan that they're trying to pursue. What's real refreshing is to see a, a very thoughtful set of financial projections. And as you suggest, almost to the, to the extent of sensitivity analysis, you give multiple scenarios with sufficient detail, with assumptions that are based on something. I mean, uh, in the past, we've seen pitches where uh, you're looking at zero revenue for the first year, you know, negative cash flow, year two, it's break even, year three, you're now making, you know, $9 million, year four and five, now you're into the tens of millions of dollars. And we're thinking, okay, uh, how, how are you getting there so quickly? I mean, that's, this is a slog, this business of growing companies. You know, there may be some exceptional situation where uh, there is a, a rocket ship type of growth. And that's the one that the media just fixates on and goes nuts about. But the vast majority, and I'm going to say 99%, and I think I'm probably accurate with that, 99% of companies are not going to grow that way. And so it's refreshing to see 
projections that are much more realistic, that anticipate a, a slower growth. I would rather see something like that and then have the, have the company outperform than the underperformance, uh, and especially when it comes to total addressable market. So if, if a company comes in and says, we're going to eventually, we're going to capture 30 or 40% of the total addressable market, first of all, uh, they usually are showing us an addressable market that is way more than, uh, than it should be for the particular space they're trying to occupy. Uh, and again, we've seen some very refreshing projections that companies trying to get 2% or 3% or 5% of the total addressable market. And that's believable uh, that eventually they might get to that point. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, again, uh, having assumptions that are rational uh, is is really important. And in a pitch, uh, we look for some footnoting or bullet points that explain those assumptions. Why is revenue going up at the, at the rate that it is? Uh, you know, how, how did you build your expense model? Uh, so again, as I said, the vast majority of early stage companies will take many years to gain traction and profitability. And especially if we're in a recessionary economy. That's right. Um, and, you know, Lee, I think we've got, you know, several more items that we could talk through today, um, but I think we need to turn this into a, a two-parter. I do want to mention, though, um, that communication is really going to be key. I think it's, we say that a lot in a lot of these episodes, um, that throughout our investment in a company, I think the companies that really rise to the top are the ones that over communicate. If anything, they're sharing with us the good news, but also where they're struggling. Um, and I think that is especially important now for founders to be over communicating with their investors um, because the, the worst thing that can happen is that we haven't heard from a company in several months and then all of a sudden they're out of money and need funding like tomorrow. Um, so it really is helpful for us to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly from founders. Um, and investors should expect that as well. Um, we're putting our capital at risk in these companies. Um, and we are managing that risk by staying involved and completing our due diligence process. But we want this to be a good relationship both ways. We want to be able to support our companies um, and provide help when we can. But we're not quite sure how to do that if we don't know what's going on with the company. Um, so I think that's really worth saying throughout a lot of these episodes, um, Lee, is that investors should not only expect that, um, but founders should expect to be doing that and should really, I mean, they're on the beneficial end of this in terms of the advice that they can receive, the introductions that might be available to them, um, and just the help uh, that investors can provide for them because we're all in this for the positive. It's a win-win situation when these companies do well. You want to add to that, Lee? Yeah, I think that the uh, comp companies should be prepared to provide at least a quarterly update uh, to the investors. And that's something that we ask our, our portfolio companies to provide. Uh, <clears throat> we have a little bit of a format that we ask them to follow. And it's just basically, it's not, you don't have to write a narrative for us, just give us uh, some the, the, the basics, basic metrics, if you will, how much cash do you have? You know, how, how's your spend? You know, what's your, your, your funnel for customers? Uh, you know, wh where are you in regulatory approval? That sort of thing. 
I think, generally speaking, right now is a golden opportunity. We're in a time of, of golden opportunity as investors in this early stage funding space. Uh, when values have, have valuations have come back into reasonable ranges, four to $6 million, as we said earlier, deal flow, as you pointed out at the outset here, is very strong still. There's, there's a lot of creativity out in the marketplace. Companies are, are getting started every day. Uh, founders are looking for investment capital. We have dry powder. Uh, and fortunately, we have the luxury of picking the best of the best as, as investors right now, uh, we are not putting our pencils down in terms of waiting for something to happen in the marketplace to, to be the signal that it's time to invest again. We're putting our foot on the gas uh, and looking at some great companies uh, that are realistic, that have great assumptions, uh, have great differentiation and a moat that they built around their business. Uh, and this is just a great time to invest. So uh, as you can tell, I'm pretty uh, bullish on, the, on where we're going in a recessionary uh, environment. Well, I totally agree with that, Lee. And I think, I mean, we've already made some really great investments this year and we continue to see great opportunities that we're bringing in front of our investors. Um, so I think this will be really interesting to see how this plays out. Um, and I'm really, really excited even in this current climate um, about the companies that we're investing in. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll do part two in our next episode. Thanks everyone for listening.